Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome to the Friday Special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. In this series, in each episode, I'll have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification and effects pedals. We'll have brands and producers and musicians and everything in between. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined by co-host Matt Knight. Hello there. And our special guest, Ken Hass, from the, uh, well, the, the owner and operator of one of Guitar Nerds' favorite guitar brands reverend guitars hello ken and welcome hello. to the show hello thanks hello, for having me oh well no thank you thank you for coming on um it's it is wonderful uh, to get you on an episode reverend guitars have been a, a guitar nerd's favorite pretty much since we got the the first uh the the billy corgan i don't know maybe three four years ago as uh whenever whenever it first came out as a gear of the year um uh podcast suggestion yeah. we had a demo one of those and 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 the brand has been sort of you know on the tip of our tongue ever since yes yes now dear listener if you're not familiar with ken and reverend guitars then we thoroughly recommend you check them out reverend makes surprisingly a, a surprisingly substantial range of guitars and basses with a real sort of modern come retro aesthetic they're leading the way when it comes to trends in in finish in neckwoods pickup choices and they've pioneered some reverend exclusive pickups and control layouts as well as having a huge pool of high profile artists with some absolutely amazing signature models um but of course when i think of reverend i think of a brand who are like new on the block but in fact reverend guitars have been around since the mid 90s that's that's right isn't it ken Yes, 1996, Joe Naylor got the patent for the first Reverend body. Right, and then, right. And then production commenced in 1997. And, and, and of course, they were very different instruments back then. Very different, yes. Uh, the bodies were a composite of, uh, they had, um, they consisted of a mold-injected plastic outer body ring 
Right. And uh, there was a center block of Karina of white limba. And then the tops of the backs were like a phenolic material like you would use out of a counter, like you would make countertop out of. Mostly uh-huh. mostly wood-based with a thin layer of plastic on the outside. So we could do wild colors and aluminum and and we did some bug eye chrome and we did some oh. guitars where we had artists media blasting in the metal and, and did some very, very beautiful instruments and um, nobody got it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we got it. We thought they were sweet. It's what, it, it's what led me to the company. I, I started working with Joe um, about a year and a half in. Well, you've got a really interesting story about yes. how you actually came to work for Reverend. Yeah, you I stalked, you I stalked you in. Yeah, you didn't like your job before this, did you? you just, no, uh, I hated it. Yeah, I, I, I sold automotive paint, and it was just, it was horrific. Um, and sandpaper and things of that nature. I drove around to body shops, and I had a route, and I made really good money doing it. And I was good at it, but I didn't like it. Um, and and so I, I used to stop at music stores when I was going between, in between, you know, body shops and auto dealerships and light industrial places and stuff. I would stop in the guitar stores, and this is where this guitar collection was built up because for like a kid in my twenties, I was making good money being a salesman and I would go to these guitar stores and buy stuff that would maybe vintage <laughs> stuff that wasn't in fashion at the time in the nineties that you could oh, buy smart. really cheap. And, and then I, one of these, one day I just happened to cross a reverend in the Detroit area and it said the, it said East point, Michigan on the headstock, which was a neighbor, uh, neighbor little town North of Detroit. And uh, so I just decided to look him up, and I grabbed, get this, a phone book. <laughs> and his, his, I'm sorry, a what? Sorry, yes, I, 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 I think I've seen one in Terminator right, 2, maybe. But, uh, I, I, yeah. 1999. I wow. was 29 years old. I found him in the phone book, and uh, I went and visited him and started selling him sandpaper, and then he... I, I bought a couple guitars and we started hanging out and becoming friends. And then he took me to the NAM show as a guest, uh, summer NAM of 99 or 2000. I don't remember. But while I was there, I sold a couple guitars to Will Ray. Um, I don't, are you guys familiar with Will Ray of the Hellcasters? Just an absolute monster player. I'm, I'm afraid I'm not. But, oh, uh... so good. He used to have the coolest signature G&L model. They had these little skulls down the neck and a hip shot B-bender. And, and Will oh, is... I'm okay. I'm, I'm sold. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Will, Will is just, yeah. and Will Will's a fabulous player. I think he writes a column for Premier Guitar now, and among other things here in the States. But he, um, Will, Will just asked me about, reverend because you saw my badge you know and i and i without even thinking about it i just told him about the guitars and he could sort of sense my excitement and about a half hour later i walked by the booth and there's will writing joe a check (laughs) that's amazing and will walks away and joe's like dude how did you do that and i'm like i I really don't know i you know i'm a fan of that guy i just started talking to him and he seemed cool and and joe said those words well i'm gonna bring you to every one of these and you bring guys like that to the booth and i was like yes and And so for years (laughs) for years i just went to trade shows you know and reverend was just too small to to hire any sort of 
full-time salesperson. Joe Joe and his wife did all of the office work, and they had a guy that did some computer work and regulated orders, and then they had people making the bodies, and Joe had the necks and the pickups made to his specifications. Built so the they're body. still Detroit-based yes, and molded is, plastic at this point. Yep. Yep, and and so the next the next and the pickups came from various sources during that time. So we never right. actually made necks in the building. He just built the bodies, and there was no paint in the construction of those bodies. So it was like an assembly thing. You know, the bodies were assembled and and polished. The sides were polished and all the stuff that needed to be done, and then they were set up and and shipped out. Um, and as time went on, it, it's, this is this thing that happens in this business. Now, of course, I'm going to get a million questions from doing this. Um, but we just couldn't, it, it got to the point where we just couldn't give them away, you right. know, which seems ridiculous now because now they bring good money. Um, yeah. And, and they were very, very interesting, but they were never aggressive enough because they were all semi-hollow guitars. They were semi-hollow bolt-ons and they had a really cool tone and they reflected the pickups that were in them very well so all the bodies were the same and, and the aesthetic wasn't very different from no from it very much now. looked like our jet stream models yeah. or our king bolt models now and what differentiated the guitar um was the pickups so the slingshot had p90s and the rocco had humbuckers and the hitman had a uh telly style bridge pickup with a uh uh you know, mini humbucker in the neck, like our buckshot model does now and right. so on. And, um, and yeah, that the, the aesthetic was, was the necks are the same <laughs> at this point. You know what okay. I mean? The last neck supplier for those guitars was mirror, the factory that's making oh, yeah. the guitars for us now. And so when we made the transition, they felt really familiar because the necks didn't change and the pickups didn't change. Um, so what what ended up happening was Joe had this idea um, basically for the model that turned into the Charger and the model that turned into the Club King and uh-huh. and the model that turned into the Warhawk. And Joe had these ideas for guitars that were going to be solid bodies that in, that didn't incorporate, you know, all of this process that we had for building bottles, but building the bodies. Um as I indicated, the, the those original guitars, they were never really, they didn't really sustain enough. They were never really uh, thunk, thunky, as Billy right. Corgan would say, like <laughs> enough a- for hard rock. And they were never really bright uh-huh. enough for country. So they, they sort of fit in this mold. And... Um, Just a, a really and, specific air, Yeah, air, and we needed like, to yeah. shake it, you know. Right. Uh, and, and plus... So our target audience for that guitar was the same audience that at the, that time in the late 90s and early 2000s when um, when the Fender Custom Shop was really coming on strong and PRS was really coming on strong. And like the guys that really liked our guitars were into those guitars. And we were doing this really cool thing for a fraction of the cost of that. And I don't know that we were taken seriously enough. You know, people looked at it. My, my favorite story about this, this whole thing, there's this great Canadian band that one of my favorite bands of all times, this Canadian band called the tragically hip. And they, 
I showed those old guitars to them, the original guitars to them, and the lead guitar player at a huge arena show in the Detroit area, big outdoor amphitheater thing. And I had all these guitars set up on the stage, and they came out for sound check. And the lead guitar player looked at them and went, oh, I'm not into the Dano thing. I didn't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk him into picking it up, you know? And, and so there was that. It, and the guitars were so much more than that, you know? But yeah. it, it was, it was a hard sell because. Yeah, of course. I guess Because guitar time, guys, you do something yeah. different and there's so much of this industry, which is like all rock and roll and fun and everybody's supposed, everybody's so, you know, like liberal and open to new stuff but a guitar that doesn't have a burst on it ah, right so <laughs> well, i there think was at a- the time i think at the time as well there was a, yeah. you know I, there was a, a big uh you, you know i don't think that sort of airline or sort of dan electro thing whilst they were so much more than that i agree you know that yeah. that whole style was was out of fashion i guess yes. around I, I guess you could say yeah no, we brought it back and then we got out of it. <laughs> we yeah. set we set trends, man. <laughs> no. I, um, I can't believe I've never seen some of these original ones before. I've just, Haven't you? Uh, oh. and, a re- and a website that I've bizarrely also never come across until just now is revfan.com, the unofficial reverend fan base, which yeah. only seems to relate to stuff up to 2006. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some... Great stuff. Never ever seen any in the UK like these old ones. So. And there were there were a few. I wish I I can't think off the top of my head who was selling them there, um, because because it's been a really long time. <laughs> but um, but there are uh, about forty. There are about four thousand of those out there, all told, um, that yeah. were built between ninety seven and two thousand six, and um. Now, you know, uh, uh, the, they just sort of change hands, you know. Um, I personally, I have about 18 of them in the building, <laughs> which probably doesn't surprise you guys, uh, judging by our conversation. Oh, that, that was going to be my next question, which was how many of those have you have A you lot. Got? When I first started working for Joe, he paid me in those. You know, like, imagine imagine you're this oh my guy. God, that's my dream job. Right, you're this guy, and you just had like a kid, and you got this job that you really don't like. But you spend all of your vacation time going to guitar shows, and then when you come home from the guitar show, you have a new guitar. <laughs> I, I lived that life for like five years. It was awesome. Yeah. It was totally awesome. And and I've had a hard time parting because the other thing about that is is that Joe and I would then sit there and come up with like crazy shit to make. You know what I mean? Like, like Joe, it would be really cool. Like. What if we took like this top and put like this pickup in it, and you know with this, and and then like we would make these concoctions for me, and then I couldn't that's just awesome. I couldn't just turn around and sell them because that's rude, you know. And 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 plus I'm in love with them, so mm. I've I've kept them. Um, the lowest serial number that we have, Penny Penny actually has. My wife Penny um, runs this business with me. She does all of the marketing and uh, handles all of the advertising stuff and all of the digital stuff and monitors the Facebooks and the Instagrammers and all of those things. Um, she has serial number 14, 00014. Wow. Wow. And, um, and actually, Mr. Naylor has serial number one. And the funny thing about it That's is okay. he's, he sold it to a buddy of his. Right out of the gate. Joe doesn't hold a lot of, uh, 
you know, every, it's funny, every, every guitar builder, like, understand this. I'm not a luthier and I'm not a guitar designer. You know, I, I run this business. Um, Nailer is a luthier and a designer. And there's things that I like about the guitars. And there's, uh, you know, there's times when I've, when I've said, oh, we should do this in this color, or I'd like to see these pickups on this or whatever. But that doesn't make me a guitar designer. That just makes me a... Sure. You know what I mean? Just an idea guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all of that's Joe. And and every time you work with a designer or a luthier in the electronic guitar business, everybody always wants to compare themselves or compare somebody to Leo because Leo's the man, right? I mean, let's face sure. it. Leo innovated a lot of the stuff that is on all these guitars that I'm looking at. I mean, he yeah. he, he was the man, you know? And um Nailer is like him in the sense that whatever Joe is working on right now, whatever the last thing that Joe did is the best thing that Joe ever did. And everything before that doesn't matter. <laughs> He's that guy. You know, Joe, Joe, Joe plays a Reverend Air Sonic in his band and he loves it. And so he has no nostalgia for all cool. of the stuff that came before. That's almost um, very important for someone who's going to be you know the luthier the person who's responsible for the next innovation yeah it's great keep, for, keeps for you a focused. fan yeah exactly yeah. it's great for you know a fan or, or like a guitar fanatic to be obsessed with a particular body shape maybe a classic one you know something that that has some heritage and means something but it's almost important to be detached from that if it is literally your job role to create the next thing that people get attached to you know, that's it. That's a, that's a, it's a great way to be. He, yeah. He's and and he's truly an artist. I mean, I can't, you know, he's that guy. I, yeah. you were talking about the Corgan model, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm here to answer your questions and I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm giving some big sales pitch thing on <laughs> Naylor and what we do and stuff. But, I, but there's this thing that we do here that I think sets us apart is when we when we work with an artist and Billy is a great example and Reeves Cabrels with his Space Hawk guitar is a oh great God. example of this. I love that guitar. Joe Joe will sit down with these guys and there is no preconceived notion of what they want and design a guitar for them based around their needs and whatever aesthetic that they're looking for. And and to me, like the, the Corgan thing, I go back to it too because it's such a fun guitar and the guidance that Joe had from Billy, like Billy has two of the old style guitars. Uh, we oh, hooked really? up, yeah, we hooked up with Billy 20 years ago and, and Billy wanted two guitars made very specifically to be tuned to D and they are like, slightly larger scale than instead of 25 and a half, I think they're 26 and a quarter guitars that are tuned to D standard. And so they're not really baritones. Um, and he used them in a very specific sliver of time of the pumpkins between like 99 and 2000 or 2000, 2002. And he took those, he's toured with those guitars for 20 years. And whenever they play songs from that era, he uses them. And so we always sort of had a connection with him. And then he did a, a signature deal somewhere else and it didn't, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he came back to us and, and, and his guidance to Naylor on RBC model was, you know what I like, 
wow me. That was it. <laughs> and Joe, Joe just challenge accepted. You know what I mean? And Joe came out of the gate with what you see, more or less. I mean, originally the pick guards weren't as segmented and and uh and but the that center ridge sort of bolt on thing and and Joe developed the um the Railhammer uh signature pickups at the same time to dial yeah. further dial in the sound that Billy was looking for. And so when you, so Joe worked with Billy on that and it was a long process. I mean, it was over a year from start to finish. Um, but when we were done, we manufacture the guitar that Billy plays and, and Billy's quote on that guitar is it is the modern rock sound guitar. It is the, the rock sound that he hears in his head. Now we brought him that voice and so sometimes when you go see the pumpkins he uses some of his older guitars on some of the older songs still you know what i mean because that's the sound he heard then and then our guitar is the sound that he hears now and and it's real important to us when we make a signature guitar for an artist that that artist is actually out touring with the guitar that we are selling to the public so when reeves plays in the cure with his space hawk there's no difference between reeves's space hawks that are out in the cure touring rig and the space hawks that we sell to our dealers so there's no like mojo there's no like we reeves doesn't get like the magic one that we built blah 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 blah. i mean it's yeah the whole idea is to actually market and sell the guitars that these guys are playing and so that takes a lot more work up front but then the end result is i think something to really be proud of you know what well I mean? that's kind of that's, that, really that's cool. almost that's that's reverend guitars you know sort of uh off of the bat like I, I, for for the guitar nerds podcast i think unofficially we've had a favorite brand for a long time and that brand was music man because we were just wowed by the um how good music man were at make at keeping up with trends you know with, mm. when you think about things like uh, like torrified or roasted baked maple necks and things like that, and the way they felt and the way they looked, we were like, "These guitars are great." Matt bought a load of them, yeah. And then when we became aware of Reverend, we were like, "Hold on, these guys seem to be keeping up with the trends and making guitars that are insane quality, like like comparable quality to a two and a half, three thousand pound Music Man, and the price tag of them's." often under 800 pounds the and they're obviously korean built rather than u.s built not that that means a lot anymore the the korean stuff is is just come on such a way um you know over the last two decades but um but but yeah i i just think i'm not surprised at all that the artist models that you make are the same for the artist as they are off the shelf because the quality is is obviously absolutely incredible. I still love that Reverend guitars come with like a you know a handwritten serial number on the back of the headstock. I think that is a a lovely touch um, on a company that feels to me like a massive company, but you are still very much a, a family business. Yeah, and- yeah, we 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 support. Uh, we support twelve families out of this building. That's it's small. Yeah, uh, I mean that's but, small. You you, yeah. you probably support about quadruple that in artist models. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah, for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
Well, and and uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff there. Um, uh, the the Korean thing. Um, I mean, the people that are building our guitars have decades of well the the factory that we use mirror builds for us and, and a couple other brands and they're they're a small factory by asian standards to begin with um but the average age of their employee is over 50 and has been with them for their adult life so these are people this is what they do and like in my country and in, in in your country young people aren't interested in working in factories. And so it, it becomes a conundrum. It becomes an interesting, uh, you know, thing as far as looking into the future, what that means for them and what that means for us and where we are, you know, uh, as a culture and where they are in Korea as a culture. So, but these are artisans that are making these things, these, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm always amused by, by the idea that these things aren't made by hand by somebody. Of course they are. You know, I, I, I mean, that's that's just how it works. And, and we have the benefit, of course, of of um, having CNC machines to make bodies in this day and age for just the perfect neck joints and, and fit and finish. Yeah, there's you know, no, there's, there's there's no, neg- there's no there's, yeah, downside there's, of that. <laughs> no, there's really cool ways to integrate that that technology into your building process. So then, so they build the guitars, and then all the guitars come to my facility here in, in Toledo, Ohio, in the Midwest, in the USA, and we... Um, I have a team of guys here that inspect the guitars when they get here and then they go through the shop process where we um and we do complete setups on the guitar and and not not like we open the box and go oh, this one's good. Um <laughs> and I don't have a pleck machine either so it's this this part of the process is done by hand. So all the uh we use a lot of Wilkinson hardware. We use Wilkinson VS50 trams on a lot of the models. We use a lot of Bigsby hardware. Um we use some B50s and B70s and things of that nature. Uh nut slots are filed properly, intonation is done, uh floating trems are adjusted and set up properly. Uh we put our soft touch spring into all the Bigsby's. We use locking tuners on everything. Everything is strung up, every single fret is tested. Uh do you know depending on the time of year we're doing fret end work if leveling stuff needs to be done we do that here the the other thing about the like i was talking about the artist thing earlier there's no difference to when the guitar leaves here we don't treat any guitar differently uh if it's leaving here and going to the uk to you know anderton's or merchant city or guitar guitar whatever peach guitars all of you, you guys have got some great stores over there, by the way. It's, it, you guys live in an exciting place. Um, like great <laughs> and, big and stores. a small place as well. So there's a lot of stores in a very small... Uh... Yeah, it's rad. Yeah. I, I, I love visiting over there because I like going to the like stores and just seeing all these guitars. It's like, whoa. But um, we don't treat like that any differently than the guitar that's going to Reeves or Billy or Rick or Greg cocker anybody i mean it's it's the same type of deal because the plan is the idea is you know you go into any of those stores that i just mentioned and they they all represent us very well there's a lot of reverence to look at um but there are a lot of all of the other brands to look at as well and i want my 800 pound guitar to play just as good as the 2000 pound guitar i want somebody to pick it up and go 
like this place perfectly. Well, yeah, 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 it plays perfectly. That's the whole plan. That's the idea. And so if I am keeping up with the stuff that costs three times what mine does in playability and sound, then I'm blowing away everything else in our price range. And <laughs> yeah. so, right. Well, yeah. So there you have it. I mean, that's, so that's, that's the plan. That's, that's the approach. And, um, Matt it, it, literally it, has a story like th- to to oh, exactly echo what you're trying to achieve. Well, there. I mean, you- it, it was from Birmingham Guitar Show where one of the guys I was working with and I, I was trying the uh, the Matt West, and then he he was playing another guitar on um, your your stand, and then was just like, "Oh man, it's like, so you you know you're gonna get that?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's really good value." And he's like, "Aren't they like two grand?" And I'm like, "No, they're like." 699 i think that one was or 799 he was just like i've got guitars twice that price three times that price that you know don't play as as nice as that and i think um just echoing what joe said earlier i think it's just the consistency um for me you know and on that stand and everyone i've played they all feel great and they all sound great and i think that's the um that's the key difference there's a lot of cool guitars out there um but sometimes you feel that you really have to find that yeah whereas reverend it's it's you can kind of just pick it doesn't matter what you, you choose <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know what my favorite part is there's a finish flaw in each one you just have to find it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean Fine. that you know that's it's one of the things that that you wrestle with too because like i said the, the karina is uh karina for the bodywood came about uh, in in sort of a roundabout way as yeah, well. Yeah, that was a really specific choice. Yeah, it will very much. So, well, we did mahogany guitars for a little while, and so in the when when we transitioned from sort to sort of jump back into the company history thing. I mean, when Joe had this idea to 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 build these new guitars, and the very first incarnation of the Chargers and things had mahogany bodies, but the mahogany was so inconsistent in weight that he decided at first to chamber them. And then upon chambering them for weight relief, then we started to get into more losing a little bit of that aggressive punch in the bridge pickup. And so in order to put a little bit of that snap and spank back into the guitar, Joe started putting spruce tops on everything. So we had chambered mahogany bodied spruce top guitars for about two years. And they were really cool. Uh, but still, there were some weight inconsistencies with that idea. And then Karina became available, and it has a similar tonal properties. Like, you have that mid-range punch that we were getting from the other guitars. Yet, the Karina is consistently lighter weight. And sometimes, I mean, they still vary. Because wood is wood. It's a natural product. So there's always going to be variances, uh, even within the same model. But it's a lot more consistent than what we were finding with mahogany. And so around 2009, late 2008, 2009, we went to Karina entirely. Um, And at that point, while we were doing that transition, there was a little while there where we were still selling the phenolic-bodied guitars and these guitars at the same time. And... We went on about a 90-day stretch where we didn't take an order for one of the older ones. (laughs) And so, I mean, it's just the kiss. It was a hard thing to say goodbye to. I mean, for me, you know, I fought it tooth and nail because guitar players and change you know how we are yeah yeah of course (laughs) you know and i and and, but but then of course this construction 
and and this way of manufacturing enabled us to start doing set necks and start doing other body shapes and start exploring way uh, whereas before we were sort of held to this one platform now the 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 doors were open and Joe could just go nuts and he has been going nuts for the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, as, as long as we, we keep the, the, the quality, uh, we, I've always had play sound and playability has always been the number one thing. And so the Karina thing got us there with the tone that we were looking for. Right. But then I wanted to pay very careful attention and Joe I say I, I mean we, um, but but Joe and I wanted to pay very careful attention to not bury the Karina in sealer and clear coat, and 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 lose all that resonance that we were getting from using this great body wood. And right, we, we could make a flawless guitar by putting twenty coats of sealer on on these bodies and sanding them flat and making sure that everything was perfect. But but then we would be giving something up tone wise in order to do that. And so we've always struck this balance of having a very very thin finish and thin clear coat because we're not in a price range where we can do nitro stuff. So it, it is poly stuff. Um, but having a very, very thin finish and having the guitar be as clean as possible. And so sometimes if you hold the guitar up to the light, you can see some of the Karina grain through really? even wow. even through your pink. If you hold it up to the light, you can see some of the natural ridges of the Karina because that's what Karina does. And that's cool. that's I think cool. it's okay. You know what I mean? That's no problem. And sometimes, though, but sometimes I get guys who think that that is an issue you know what i mean and i i try to explain well no this is part of the it's part of the you know the like <laughs> the be all, oh come be on all there, good, there, there the will magic. always be customers who should be buying prs's that would always exist <laughs> well yeah and but i don't want to discount that you know what i mean because i don't think that that's necessarily bad i i listen i own a beautiful sir and i own a beautiful tom anderson guitar and i i think they're cool and i think that there is something to be said for that guy that that can make that flawless thing you know uh, my 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 favorite guitar brand outside of reverend is pensa which sounds crazy really but i love rudy i just love rudy as a human being rudy is like someone who i admire and and his story of immigrating to New York City from Argentina as a youth and starting his business and to where he is now. And he just, the, they make these incredible instruments. And some of them are like over the top finish wise and stuff for sure. I mean, I the traditional that. ones are definitely but, super cool. But I, I, I mean, I am also, I am a huge Knopfler fan, massive my my uh my natural father was super into dire straits and got me into them in the early 80s and i think like telegraph road is my favorite guitar solo and i'm super nerdy about all of the mark knopfler thing and so i was i was in my early 20s when the penseth sir thing started and mark was playing them on the on every street tour and i always sort of admired looked up to that as a you know high end thing you know that was unattainable to me in my lifetime you know and now of course over the years now rudy rudy's is a reverend dealer in new york city and rudy and i are friends and i've got to spend time with mark knopfler 
three times over the years. Mark has <laughs> wow. two he has two Reverend guitars. Um and Rudy sort of made that it's it's so interesting because it's such a it's such a weird goofy story. I tried to get Reverends into Rudy's and I was able to get an appointment with Mark Knopfler and show Mark some guitars through one avenue. And Mark said, do you sell these to Rudy? And I said, no, I don't. He's, and Mark says to me, you will. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> neat. And then I went into Rudy's and said, hey, Mark Knopfler sent me, you know, what I mean? <laughs> which kind of, who gets to say that, you know? And then we started selling <laughs> guitars to Rudy's and then Rudy really fell in love with our Descent baritone. And Rudy was like, Mark's got to see one of these. You should take one to him. He's going to be on tour and blah, blah, blah. Yep, of course I want to do that, you know? Um, and so it's it's been a really cool thing. And, and and those pensive guitars, like to me, like that's the epitome of that. It is perfection in guitar building. And it is something to be idolized. It's not something that we can do at 800 pounds, but it is but it is it is a very, very cool thing to be inspired by. And those those companies in this business that are setting that bar are to be admired. And Ernie Ball too. I mean, it's to be admired. It it is it, Ernie Ball does that interesting thing with their artists too. I, there was no preconceived notion that brought us to Annie Clark's guitar or to John Petrucci's guitar or whatever. Those yeah, guitars, those guitars were created out of thin air. That's cool. May not be my style, but I certainly can respect and admire what they do, and I respect and admire what a lot of other builders do. I mean, you guys follow me on Instagram. I post weird eclectic guitar <laughs> collecting things all the, yeah. I'm into it. I'm into what other I'm into what other builders are doing. You well, know, that's, that's I, I don't want to just be my my own in my own little bubble, you know. Well, I, I kind of think that is 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 a thing of reverend because because you're at the head of reverend and you're so excited about um about guitars and the guitar world and what's coming next. You seem to have your finger on the pulse incredibly with styles and things you know whatever's coming next because of course you you know you I, I mentioned it briefly before but you've moved almost entirely to these sort of roasted or torrified necks and boards on guitars yeah. um which is incredibly in vogue and you're it's really that's the thing you're seeing like uh you know the absolute trendsetters things like the Charvel you know DK24 or um or a lot of music man like they you know they're these are the new things that people are doing that people are working out people are into but of course they come with a massive price tag and the bulk of reverend guitars now i think come with that with that sort of neck finish and yeah all, it, it, all of the bolt-ons are roasted maple necks at this point it's yeah. which is it which is incredibly astute with with what people are interested in and what people are purchasing at the moment and and of course you know that that is solely because you've got someone as excited as you at the at, at the head of everything and and all um, of that was nailer the the oh, roasted really? maple really? Na- oh yeah nailer came to me and said hey we got to do this okay and i just trust him <laughs> you know <laughs> i i well hasn't steered me wrong <laughs> no yeah sure <laughs> right, the, right? The, so, the other yeah. thing you you guys do that's incredibly cool is um is is the fact that because you're a, a big company that are still sort of small, um you you're able to go to um your your retailers and create limited edition models for them and you do an incredible job of that like Merchant City Music over here and what what's the shop that recently had a fantastic cover 
color limited color Greg Koch in the States. Uh, Greg uh, Koch in the States. Uh, Wildwood guitars. Wildwood guitars had a. Yeah. It, was it an orange Greg Koch? Yeah, yeah, they they've been. That is a color that we do exclusively for Wildwood for in Greg's guitar. We do a transparent orange. We also do uh, a black version of that guitar for Wildwood that has a very very fat neck profile on the black guitar. It's that pretty, sounds it's like my actual dream guitar. I think I'm going to have to import one of those if I, if I, ever it's pretty That's cool. the color that I want a Greg cock in and a thicker neck profile is, that is literally my dream version of thing. that guitar. And, and, and certainly since, you know, we, we have quite a good relationship with Merchant City Music over here. And of course they sent us a, a Greg cock and I was like, Oh, well, this is, the best guitar I've played this year. Um, I thought I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it was wonderful, like the slightly larger T-style body. I did think the inclusion of those Fishman pickups were incredible, and I am not a fan of having a, a USB, you know, yeah. input on a guitar. I'm a, I'm a staunch traditionalist in that in in that sense, but that guitar was absolutely amazing, and so it was. I, I was very impressed to find that when uh, Merchant City Music sent us their new Foam Shrimp Pink um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> East Sider T. I was like, this also sounds fantastic. I was expecting to feel like I had, you know, lost an arm when the Greg Cock went back. And that that foam shrimp pink, you know, Gitana's favourite colour, that foam shrimp pink Eastside of Tea um, was was absolutely incredible. Um, Are you familiar with Pete Anderson much? Not not very much. Like it, it, I'll be honest. The yeah. first time I checked him out was after I'd played the guitar, and I was like, "Oh, this this thing is this thing is close to perfect." <laughs> yeah, I, I won't tell him. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete's Pete's another one of those people that helped put us on the map, probably back in two thousand eight. Um, the, there's a publication here in the states called Vintage Guitar Magazine, and and Pete is featured in it quite often. Um, he got a lot of fans with his years with Dwight Yoakam. He really um, did some, I mean, he did some fantastic guitar playing and songwriting, of course, throughout Dwight's career. But he, Dwight sort of took his whole machine to Southern California and started this sort of Southern California country music thing in the 80s. And, um, and was largely ignored by Nashville at the time and, and really started sort of a revolution in country music. And they credit him with, you know, saving country or something at that time. And I don't know that much about that genre in that era, to be honest. Um, I'm, you know, I was punk rock teenager, Southern California, Descendants, Black Flag, Firehose, Mike Watt, Look at my artist roster. You can see the guys. Yeah, I'm I mean, into. you can you can and, really um, see. <laughs> and Pete, Pete Anderson produced uh, the first major label Meat Puppets record, and that was how I knew him. <laughs> Which is he is this big star, you know? Uh, but he he became quite uh, quite the producer and and um, and studio wizard guy uh, through the '90s and 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 in 2000s working with a lot of bands and he came to us in 2008 with a guitar idea that turned into his hollow body guitar which we still make which is a great guitar um and then 
when he wanted to do a solid body, uh, I sort of fought with Naylor about having it be on that sort of the, you know, the T style platform as it were. Right. And, um, because we were originally going to do it on our body shape, but Pete was known for playing the T style guitar. He had a Esquire. I guess it's your, he had an Esquire. The, the, yeah. You you only guitar that sort of lends a shape, I guess. It, yeah, and and Pete played a S, like a '59 Esquire with Dwight, and for years and years and years, and then he played Tom Anderson guitars for a while. And then when it came to doing a solid body with us, he was just married to that slab body. There was no getting around it. Right. And I, I fought Joe kicking and screaming to get it to happen. And when I finally <laughs> got Joe to agree to do I was like the go-between between those guys. This was right after <laughs> I took over at the helm, you know what I mean? And it was like... Oh, mate. And, right, I know, dude. It was And it was like my first, like... I'm here's this guy that I've been working for for 11 years and now I have to try to tell him what to do, you know. Um, but when I got Joe talked into it, then he was like, I'm going to make the best damn T style guitar that, you know, and, and he got all into it. And so we stuck with the Karina body and then that guitar is chambered very strategically around the neck joint so that they are all very resonant. And they're all a few ounces lighter than you would expect them to be. And and then Joe spent a lot of time on those pickups, like trying to nail the late 40s, early 50s thing, uh, larger gauged wire. Um, and, and then, of course, by making the neck pickup adjustable through the pickguard, I mean, no brainer. So you can play with the balance and stuff, right? And it is an absolutely awesome sounding guitar, and it's one of one of my favorites too. I, I play one one of my bands. I've been using the S version of that guitar. We do the version that you have in the in oh, yeah. the pink there with the traditional bridge, but we also do the a, Wil a Wilkin well, we do a Wilkinson encrypt version. It, in standard scale, standard tuning with three pickups oh, really? and a Wilkinson trem with the bridge pickup mounted right into the body. And uh, it, it's, it's called the East Sider S, and what you have is the East Sider T. And yeah. it's it's a fantastic sounding guitar. And, um, yeah, so it's been... It's been very, very well received, you know, and then and then Greg that so that brought us to Greg. Greg is is very familiar with Pete, of course, as a fan. Uh, and and then and of course, these guys are fans of each other. And Greg and I started working together doing demo videos at Wildwood. And and a funny thing happened out there years ago. I I, I would go and watch Greg do videos of my guitars. Right. And I would be there to sort of coach him through specs and things like that. And Greg is hilarious. And Greg and I started to get along really well. And without the when the cameras weren't rolling, Greg and I would be goofing around and talking about guitars and talking shit like you do and doing all this stuff. And the owner of Wildwood was like, you know, why don't we get Ken a microphone? and a guitar and just sit him with Greg and the two of them can start doing this together. And I was mortified because you've seen Greg play, right? <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't, this isn't like sitting down with like, cause I mean, I can play guitar. I play guitar in bands. I tour, I do things. I, I, I'm, I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm an average player. I have a thing that I do that I think is pretty cool. Uh, but I ain't no Greg 
talk. I mean, come on, you know, and I was just terrified to like have to sit down and do this with this guy. Um, and then we did it. And because he is such a nice guy and so natural, and he and I just had this really cool rapport that we started doing the videos together. And um, it was it's been fun. Uh, we do, we've done clinic tours into dealers together and I've literally had, oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. I've literally had the moment with Greg where somebody has said, we, we, we were at this really cool store in uh, Asbury park, New Jersey called Russo music. And there were 60, 70 guys there and somebody wanted to hear something and they were like, uh, yeah, I'd really like to hear the, the sound of, of that, you know, that guitar through that amp. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. And I reach over and pick it up. And the guy goes, no, no, the other guy. But then I, I mean, brutal. there's no misgiving. I, I know exactly what I'm, I'm yeah, I, yeah, I totally, everybody laughed. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, so Greg and I then started having all this, started doing these things together and having fun. And so Greg said, hey, uh, you know, would you be interested in sponsoring me at this show and put some of my pickups in one of Pete's guitars and I'll play it, you know, at at Dallas International Guitar Festival. I'll use it on the stage and, you know, and you can share in the, you know, how we all work together. Right. And um, and then he did that and he took the guitar home. And after a couple of weeks, you know, he called me and he's like. You know, I've been playing this for $4,500, you know, what would be, what's that, about 3,500 pound, um, 3,200 pound guitar um, with my pickups in it, you know, doing these videos for a long time. And I got to tell you, that guitar is not $3,000 better than this guitar. Like, I'm, I really like this and I really like where this is going. And if you would be interested in doing something with me, I would be interested in that. And at the time he had, he had got this custom built bolt on firebird that had tele pickups in it. It was really weird guitar. I I think I've seen that. that Yeah. So it was a really cool guitar. It's some small builder in Texas, you know, and it was really, really neat guitar. And Naylor had seen, you know, him playing with that. And Joe was, and, and Greg had talked about how much he liked the Ridge on that. And so I get Joe on the phone with Greg sitting in front of me and I'm like, Hey Joe, I'm here with Greg. And yeah, he's, he finally came around. He's ready to go. You know, I made it sound like, I mean, it's, I made it sound like it was Greg's idea to Greg that we hadn't already been thinking about this. And, uh, I said to Joey, you know, he wants to talk to us about a signature model. And Joe's like, Oh, I've got this idea. Like we could do. And Joe just like, just spat it all out to me on the phone. I'm like, hold on. And I put Joe on the phone with Greg and it was done. And we did one prototype and it was done. <laughs> and when we have the, we have the prototypes made by Mir in Korea, because again, this follows the whole line, uh, the whole process thing, right? And so the factory builds the prototypes so that we know that that guitar is going to be the thing. So we're not doing hand building some sort of magic guitar prototypes. No, we, we send the specifications and Joe draws all of these guitars out by hand at a drafting table with drafting tools. He's an engineer. He has an engineering degree and he sits and draws the picture of the guitar. And we, and then he, we, put those pictures into the computer and he sends them over to Mir and we have these prototypes made and we got the prototypes made and, and worked out the thing with Fishman and, and here we are with the Greg Cock guitar uh, with the Reeves Gabrell's guitar 
Um, uh, guitar? It, there, there were like four of them. Aren't yeah, there? It, with the Space Hawk that we were talking about earlier. Um, Reeves liked our Sensei guitar and liked our Manta Ray guitar and wanted to combine the two. And Joe took his drafting photos of both our Manta Ray and our Sensei guitar and then put a blank piece, put a, you know, a, a thin piece of drafting paper, whatever it's called, over the seat. I don't know that. I don't do that. <laughs> over, over the two of them. So you could see those two guitars in there. And then I sat and watched Joe Naylor and Reeves Cabrales draw that guitar together. It that's, was amazing. Awesome. Yeah, man. It's, it's just like, I, I'm really lucky. The, the dirt it. bike for me was one of the coolest guitars yeah, uh, cool. I think you've ever done. I, I, I'm a sucker for a single pickup guitar, which is why I'm a yeah. big fan of the Matt West. Yeah. Now, of course, there are no non-signature models uh, by by Reverend that, that, that come with a single pickup. Uh, um, Sensei Jr. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. completely wrong in that yeah. case. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thoroughly apologize. No, yes. The, 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 yeah. That's the, um, then Yeah, that... that Evidently, because that's part the of the set neck series, not the Dalton oh, series, right? Single P ninety. That's exactly why I'm not. I'm. I'm not thinking of it. Yes, um, which which is is incredibly cool. But yeah, the uh, the the I I can't decide what I prefer most out of the the dirt bike and the and the Matt West. Um, they are they are both incredible incredibly cool guitars and as a big fan of a of a single bridge pickup guitar uh, leaning slightly towards the the p90 over the humbucker uh matt knight you are very lucky to have a uh um, a matt west signature yeah model. i think and um you, we were talking about it on the podcast the other day the thing the thing for me is just the simplicity but it's just a fun guitar i mean it's i couldn't really think of another way to describe it you know uh, i think uh we were Ken, we were saying on the on the podcast, I think literally just last week, like strats, you know, and that they to me always feel like a serious guitar. It's like I've got a strat, you know, I've got to play some serious some serious stuff. But the Matt West just feels like out and out like a fun guitar. Um and I and I actually, you know, one thing for me, I think the first experience I had was with the Charger three ninety and someone bought it in for um a set. Oh, what a great guitar. What a great yeah, guitar. So, Someone uh, bought it in for a setup when we were working back when we were all working in the store, um, and I'd never seen one before. And I think the first thing I said to this guy was like, "Oh, are you looking to sell it? Because I'd totally buy this." <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I don't think at the time um, whether I'd really seen many. I don't know where it, he must have got it for emergency. I'd imagine. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com If if he has a Charger 390, he probably got that from Russo here in the States and brought it over because that Oxblood Charger is an exclusive run that we do with Russo. Right, right, yeah. No, so... um, I remember seeing that being like, that is dead I, cool. I just got another run of them in, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, um, how do, I mean, maybe not so much the dealer exclusives, but how do kind of like variations on some of your models sort of come about or how do new, at what point, you know, how do new guitar models appear that aren't necessarily signature ones? You know, is there an idea in your head or in, in Joe's head or nailer. someone who works there? No, it's all nailer that he's, that, he he is constantly refining things mm. and it, so sometimes they'll be sometimes it's as simple as um yeah this model isn't really selling as well as i thought it was gonna oh really and then he'll come back at me with like complete <laughs> epic redesign you know yeah. try this <laughs> oh wow that's cool yeah all right um and then sometimes they just come out of the blue. Um, this Aerosonic guitar uh, that we've been that we've been doing now for yeah. geez, it's coming up on its two years is one of the most, if not the most unique guitar to be made in the last decade. Um, it's it's really an interesting piece, and Joe has been thinking about it and refining the concept for years. Um, he always liked the idea of of a guitar having thin wings. Uh, you know, like let's take the aesthetic of a center ridge and really turn it into uh, a structural tone generator. Let's have that center ridge that's going through the guitar give you the mass that you need to get the attack underneath of the pickups. 
but with the Aerosonic, it's it's a large solid body, and so the the body itself is very big, but the wings as they come out from the center ridge ridge are very thin. So the guitar is you know one and three quarter inches thick in the middle, like a standard you know uh, standard electric solid body, but the wings are like seven eighths of an inch. The wings are really thin. This, and, this and guitar then we, is incredible. This, and is, then this was such a great idea. Yeah, and then the, the F-holes are punched straight through. So there's F-holes in the guitar, but they go all the way this through the solid so body. Good. And when you hold this that. when you hold this thing in your lap and play it, you can you can feel the wings vibrating. And and the guitar has a weird tonal property of a semi-hollow. Yet it is a solid body guitar because of that, because of the large body and the vibration. And Joe, his original, the working name for the guitar for years was the Refract Air, because that's the way he he thought of it. Like, like the the body would would, you know, would reflect air movement and cause this this thing you know and then eventually his his mind he's because he names the things too and he comes to me this is the air sonic you know this is the contender like he, he comes to me <laughs> with this stuff he's like and the name is always so cool it's like you don't even have to show me the guitar the name i'm yeah we're doing that yeah of course i mean uh but the, but that is just that that's just him thinking and tinkering and always working you know he's got that he's that guy he has that workbench that has shit all over it half finished yeah. projects everywhere and pickups in various states of whatever and you know I, what I, I mean think, and he just like always is always thinking and always working on what the next thing is and that that air sonic was a cult i mean he had, he had been talking about that idea with us for years before he was ready to bring it to us yeah and, and i think it's um, really cool i think uh, that sort of leads on to the next question yeah. for me and and sort of Joe's involvement is the railhammer pickups. Yeah, the railhammer. Oh, yeah, we should talk about those. Which yeah. we really we touched oh, on. I want to quickly on the air sonic. Sure, I want to sure. mention how the uh, just how the um, for me I was like someone's done a guitar of the Ampeg basses, yeah. uh, where with, with the with the hollow things that go the whole way through, and I was so excited about that. And so- then. If if there was going to be something to sort of double up the fact that there was like a a through body you know f hole thing, you did it in the ultimate British finish, uh, <laughs> which you called avocado burst, but of yeah. course you know like a like a green burst. It was like the ultimate burns color with this like ampeg style complete through body you know f hole. I, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever i thought it was such a wonderful addition to the range anyway well, sorry thank I, you I no no to get and, that and, end, but... and to that end and like leading into the railhammer thing so all of these guitar designs of nailers stem from the fact that so he went to he went to uh engineering school graduated from college with an engineering degree and a design degree in the early 80s and while he was at college at western michigan university in kalamazoo michigan which is kalamazoo michigan it's where gibson was for up until 1980 and where heritage guitars is now we're very good friends with the people at heritage and i've been up to parsons street numerous times and kalamazoo is just a cool college town and joe didn't become fascinated with the electric guitar until he was in college and he picked it up quickly and started playing in bands. But the 
guitar itself became as much of a fascination as playing. And he would just, he started taking them apart and figuring out what made them work and doing all the things that engineers do, which led him after college to go to Roberto Van Luthery School uh, in Tempe, Arizona. And he went out there and of course they build an acoustic and build an electric to go through the thing. Uh, And so that's, uh, again, a lot of people say they're luthiers, but I mean, Joe is a guy who is a luthier and he came into Luthery with the design degree. So he's got an interesting pedigree that he brings to the table. And then when he came back to the Detroit area, he opened up a small repair shop and worked on vintage guitars from the late eighties through the mid nineties and was there at like, he was doing it when, you know, you could still get a SG junior for a couple hundred bucks. Cause they weren't <laughs> the one, you know, I mean the stuff, the, the custom color strats and the bursts were already starting to get a little crazy, but jazz masters were a few hundred dollars. And, and so he would, buy and sell and repair and then make playable instruments like K's and nationals and things of that nature. Cause Detroit is an eclectic place and people, you know, a lot of these, there, there, there's Detroit, you know, people think that the hipsters thing only started 12, 15 years ago. There's been hipsters in Detroit all along. <laughs> and so <laughs> Naylor was fixing these. I think it was Naylor just was, Robocop. Na- was Na- right, right. No, <laughs> Naylor was making $50 guitar playable for hipsters in 1990, you know. And so <laughs> Joe took, in order to build the original Reverend guitar, took everything that he liked about all of these instruments that he worked on and turned them into this guitar. And his guitar design still comes from that experience of working with all these different brands and all these different models. And so that's why when you look at the Air Sonic, you see the shades of the Ampeg because he, that, right. I mean, he had hearkened back on that. The, the dude's depth of knowledge of vintage guitars is terrifying. And, uh, and it's, it, it's awesome, right? I mean, that's why we have such a great sounding P90 because Joe knows what he wants a P90 to sound like. You well, know? That's, that's the great thing about Reverend is, is yeah. you manage to sort of balance that sort of retro and that modern thing so very well. Yeah. Um, and so, I, give, so, I give him all of the credit for that. But that's yeah. his thing. It's it's for me it's it's such a wonderful balance because I am one of these I am one of these terrible uh, guitarists that that everything has to be I I don't want something to be I don't want Fender to release a fifties reissue or a sixties that's not enough it has to be a specific year that reissue has to be specific to the year and everything has to be accurate to that time if I'm going to consider it appropriate. Oh, you yeah, are that you're I'm, that I'm, guy. You are. I'm that you are guy. so that I'm, guy. Oh, I'm I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so it it was a big thing for Reverend to be like, oh, I've re- I really like these guitars, and I really like the modern appointments of these guitars. Because of course, modern appointments are always improvements on old things. But as a traditionalist, I'm reluctant to ever accept that those are improvements as such and and it's it's companies like reverend where they're doing a wonderful job of like halfway housing sort of uh, here's something very traditional in looks with some modern appointments and i'm like no this plays fantastic for a traditional guitar but of course it's because it has all these 
um, you know, the the modern things about them, which is a which is a a wonderful thing. I enjoy vintage guitars and old guitars too, but I can't imagine seriously playing a guitar without locking tuners at this point. We've been using them for so long. And like if I whenever I have to if I have to change strings on a guitar that just has a hole drilled through the tuner, I'm like I don't barbarians. I don't know how one lives like this. There, there's just there's no excuse for it. Um but that's just me being spoiled. Uh no, I to that end the thing that yes, the, the reason it's cool that you recognize that because one of the things that I sort of say in my sales pitch, right, is we're not held down by the weight of our own legacy. Like you are looking at you when you say that you look at that, well, a 60 strat should be this very defining thing. And a jazz master should be this very defining thing, right? And so when Fender does something with those models, the people revolt, you know, and, the, and, and in part of me, like kind of feels bad for them, you know, cause it's like, uh, but I mean, they, they make cool guitars and, and so, you know, good for them, but they, they are very constricted in the thing that they have to do. And I don't talk about the G brand, but I feel the same way about them. Like they did a very specific thing for so long and their fan base is even more fanboy about it. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. mean, look at the details that they get into on the bursts and the things that these oh, guys know about these I mean, even the guitars. glue, the glue like, oh, that crazy. they use on the neck. Yeah, and and, and... and and I bought one of those, by the way. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but that, that company, I mean, any new guitar that they put out is just doomed. Like, Absolutely. no, they can't do that. So you know, it's it is it's an interesting it's an interesting concept, but I and and so I, let, let's so let's steer that into the rail hammer thing. So the rail hammer thing is also a nailer creation that came that came from him playing all these guitars, and then Joe Joe plays in uh, in an instrumental band called Burning Things, and it's it's just him and a drummer. And the drummer is an absolute machine. This guy plays the, when I say he plays a big trump kit, I don't mean like Neil Peart, like a million things. I mean, they're just the biggest drums I've ever seen. They don't fit into a room. Like the <laughs> kick drum is just massive. Like there's a family of four that lives in the kick drum when there's no gigs. Um, and they make all this incredible, it's like weird surf, industrial surf metal. Uh, it's really cool, and and he downtunes right up my street. I'm he, yeah, he, he downtunes Air Sonic, and he does some stuff, and and he has been writing some of these songs for for years, and perfecting this sort of the tone that he hears in his head, and he wasn't getting that tone with any pickup. I mean, he was just all the time. So naturally, he's made his own, and um, he always admired the the blade pickups for the natural compression that they give by taking a small slice of the magnetic field that you're creating around the string and so you get this even with tons of gain you get this very very tight very percussive sound and the best example of that is to think of like a dime bag sort of rhythm sound you love it or hate it it's very focused it's very tight it's very percussive it's really does that palm muted high gain thing the flip side of the blades is when you get to the treble end 
of the neck and you play the plain strings on the guitar under those blades, the same thing happens and you end up with a very shrill, very bright tone. And so Joe liked the sound he was getting out of the low end of his guitar with the blades, but not the high end. And so he decided to just basically, he started cutting pickups in half and gluing them together and came up with this idea to have the oversized slugs under the plain strings to balance the power of the blades under the wound strings. And what we ended up with was no matter how much output you make these humbuckers with, they have more clarity than any humbucker ever. I mean, the string to string thing is ridiculous. And you hear it in the Billy Corgan, um, with the Billy Corgan signature version of this pickup, we just removed, there's two full coils under that cover. We just removed the blade out of one of the coils and the poles out of the other ones to again, take a, smaller slice of that magnetic field even further right and really focus that tone um and they're they're just amazing and we offer them in a lot of different versions with different you know we do some like brass covers with bob balch from fu manchu and 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 then we do a, a different version of uh, Alnico Magnus with Reeves wound a little bit hotter. Uh, so we we gotten into the signature pickup thing too for some of these guys that really are really super into it. And um, that was the first thing that Joe did when when Penny and I bought Reverend from him. The Penny and I Penny and I took over sort of the business aspect of of Reverend in 2010 from Joe because Joe Joe's a guitar designer and doing payroll and paying taxes and all of that shit was just all stuff that Joe, Joe wanted to be out at the workbench and being mad scientist guy. And the big, <laughs> the bigger course. the company got, the less mad scientist guy he was able to be. Right. And so he was unhappy. And so we came up with this sort of solution. Like, you know, I, I want you to do this, you know, you, just let it take you wherever it's going to take you. And we're going to sell the stuff that you've designed up to this point. And when you have new stuff, you come see me. And we've worked out this arrangement. Um, so one of the first things that he did when all of that pressure was... Basically, what happened is the checkbook went from his desk to mine. That's the easiest way to describe it. Uh, <laughs> and when that pressure was taken off of him and put on my lucky ass, um, Joe just threw himself into this pickup project and then he got the patent and then he started a pickup company and then I started buying pickups from him and I and then after it grew to the point where he was spending more time running that business than doing the stuff he wanted to do we bought the pickup company off of him as well <laughs> yeah. so Joe starts companies and and I buy them I think I, this, so when people talk about their guitar collections and stuff and they're like, oh, I collect guitars. I'm like, that's cool. I collect brands from a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you correct. You collect Joe Nate Lane. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So that, that's what I do. That's that's how into it. You think you're into Reverend? No, I'm really into it. Um, so and they are they're cool. And, and it's taken on a life of its own. There are a few brands out there that are using them OEM outside of ours, small stuff now, uh, but always uh, with the thought of going bigger on that, because that, you know, I kind of run it as its own entity. Um, and it has its own set of dealers and distributors and does its own thing. And yes, a lot of the Reverend dealers and 
sell them as well. That's great. You know what I mean? Of course, I encourage that. They're awesome. Are um, there any plans to expand that range? Because, of course, I think I think Railhammers are obviously yeah. even by default of the name quite limited to almost being like humbuckers and, and P90 style, but in humbucker housing. So yeah, there- we don't have any plans to take them out of the humbucker housings as of yet. I mean, there's enough of that business out there. We've just scratched the surface. The the room for growth in that company is is of course. Yeah, what we have to do with it yet is amazing. And the the thing is, is you know, that's a tough one. It's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting question and one that we wrestle with because the idea of the Railhammer pickup was to fix some of the shortcomings of passive humbuckers. Right, right. That makes sense. We don't need to make single-coil pickups sound more single-coily or give them more clarity, <laughs> right? Sure. So to just yeah. to just build a single-coil replacement pickup with a blade and three poles, it doesn't sound that much different. We haven't added anything to it, so we kind of wrestle with the idea of it, you know? And there's been times when I've wanted to do it because I, I just want to see a HSH guitar with all the blades and all the it would just look so damn cool you know what i mean that there's like there's there's been times when i thought we should just do it anyway but but again it it hasn't it doesn't really serve a purpose and so i haven't we haven't really addressed it yet um we may figure out what purpose it serves someday and <laughs> and do it then you know well, i'd love to see the range expand um, yeah. j- just thank you you know for, cool. for no other reason that i think everything that's come already has sounded so good in yeah. the rail hammer range and it seems to have filled you know a space it yeah. hasn't taken up existing you know matter in the uh in the pickup <laughs> world it's a it's it's a new thing it's actually like that that was the first thing about the billy corgan well you know when we first get it got it i was like oh this is actually a great idea. This isn't just, you know, someone slapping a name on a pickup and saying this pickup is yeah. better than that pickup. It was actually a, there was a concept behind it and an idea that made it uh, a different, interesting thing. So and we had it that guitar so as well. We had that guitar finished and dialed in those pickups for three months with a completed product ready to go. <laughs> and and but Billy, I mean Billy was very specific with the sound he heard in his head. And this is this is the thing that Naylor does. For those of you who have heard me do these before, you've heard I tell this story about Railhammer and Billy Corgan all the time. It's like my <laughs> yeah, it's one of my closers, right? I, I was uh, hoping for it. <laughs> but but we're at the same the same exact giant outdoor amphitheater that i was shot down by the tragically hip on which by the way when we started making solid bodies the tragically hip came on board and were with us through then and even at their final concert a couple years ago they uh that guitar player robbie baker who shot down our original guitars uh played his charger 290 in their in their farewell on their farewell tour um so which was its own thing but at any rate Back to Billy. Billy, um, we had the guitars done, and we had some prototype pickups in one of one of the prototype guitars, and we're on stage during soundcheck. And to stand on stage with a guy like Corgan during soundcheck and hear, stand at his microphone and hear his guitar coming out of his 412s is humbling and awesome, right? And his rig, his live rig is amazing. And... 
and he's playing and he's talking to Naylor and I'm sort of standing behind him and I'm listening to the conversation going on and he's hitting a chord and it's like, you know, your insides move. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, this pickup, the clarity, the string to string clarity of this pickup is unlike anything I've ever heard. And you can listen to all, you know, he was running through his like Wagner module thing. You can hear all of this gain, and but you can still hear every note in the chord. And he's playing this stuff, and we're like, "Yeah, it sounds sweet," you know. And he's like, "Yeah, but it's almost, it's almost too clean. There's almost like, um, like it's missing that sort of Sabbath thwonk, that that dirt, that mud, that little bit of mud, you know." And uh, and I'm I'm like, "Oh, okay." And Joe's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally know what you mean. I know what you mean." And the, and then you know the sound check thing wraps up and we go into the back and we're in like the sort of the the catering area you know and Joe and I are waiting for whatever the next thing was at that day and um, and <laughs> and I'm talking to Naylor and I'm like so I I just want to make sure I heard this right he doesn't want to lose any of the string to string clarity but he wants it to be muddier and Joe's like yeah and I was like that that doesn't that doesn't work and joe's like oh no totally i totally know what he's talking about i totally got it and then the net like literally two days later joe joe calls me and he's like dude i nailed it i got it i the pickups i'm i'm sending it to i'm sending it to him tonight it's and then he sent it to billy's tech on tour wherever they you know were three days later and billy's tech installed in the guitar and billy called us the next day yep this is it Oh, that's amazing. What, I, what a sort I of have no idea for those pickups as well. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm still to this day. I have no idea what Joe did. Yeah, I mean, and it's again, it's it's windings and gauge wire and magnet strength and all these things. You know what I mean? But Joe, Joe has this ability to sit with a guy, whether it's Billy or Reeves or Pete or any of these guys, and like they describe these like super esoteric things to him, like you know, like. You know, you know the tone that I had on this song on this record. You know, you know I needed to sound more and and, more more cotton than yeah, linen, right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then Joe does it, and I just look and like, cool, man. All right, you know that's that's great because that's that's not something I bring to the table. Now I have brought some signature. I brought your Matt West signature model to the table, and uh, oh, really, and and which, this- which Matt you love. And I, I love Matt. I, I've got, um, I've got a couple of the black ones, uh, myself. And, uh, but now I have modded them with the Railhammer Huevos 90 pickup in the bridge and in the bridge. It's only got one pickup. Uh, but that's my go-to guitar in a band that I play in called, uh, Jay Navarro and the Traders. I play in a band with Jay Navarro from the Suicide Machines. And so I get to do like cool stuff. Like we played in England last November at the Specialized Festival. Um, and I love that guitar single pickup reverse headstock that's my like it's all my it is dream incredibly stuff incredibly cool and and, and yeah. considering your sort of playing style and the sort of bands you play in that was kind of where i was at earlier where i was like it's strange that there aren't more bridge pickup only bolt-ons you yeah. know in the uh, in in the reverend range that seems well, to be kind of so vibe. and i had to yeah so, so matt so neck deep is touring in the states maybe four years ago now and um force yeah jeez, i've been in my building four years um and they called me uh, their tour manager called me and said that matt wanted to come by and play some guitars and now i i'm 
going to be. I mean, I can't keep track of everything. I had no idea who they were. And they were going to, they were driving between Cleveland and Grand Rapids, bringing them through Toledo at like seven in the morning. And would I mind meeting them here? And I'm early anyway, so I don't care. So I came in at seven in the morning and there's a tour bus in the parking lot. And I like, you know, I expected a van. <laughs> I didn't expect them to be like as big as they were. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I'm like, I run inside and I'm Googling them, right? Like, I better get my shit together. Like, I didn't, I thought this was going to be like a casual <laughs> thing. And they roll in his live rig. They open up the trailer and they roll in, you know, a cabinet and his Kemper stuff. And and I had some guitars that he wanted to look at set up and ready to go. And he plugged in and he was really happy. And he, he got, he bought a couple guitars for me, which is really cool. And I like it when... When guys that are, you know, on that sort of level are, are like, don't hesitate to buy stuff. It, I'm always impressed with that. Like, especially, you know, when we're small and, and I'm, and they, I want to support you, dude. And so, you know, I have no problem. You know, we're going to cut you a check for this and this. Oh, shit. That's cool. Thanks, dude. And then he called me two days later and he's like, so I've done two gigs with the Jetstream 390 and, it's my favorite guitar of all time, oh, that's, and that's I'm so gonna awesome. I'm gonna use this guitar for the rest of my career because it's the best guitar I've ever played. And I gotta tell you, it would be the ultimate guitar if it only had a bridge pickup and a reverse headstock. <laughs> and I said, and I without even hesitating, I said to him, I I know I've only known you for three days, but do you want to do a signature model because that would look awesome you know and i don't know how many of them we're gonna sell i don't know what anything about you know the whole thing and he's like are you serious and i'm like i am dead serious and i called up nailer and i'm like dude i did a thing <laughs> and joe was like oh god and and but joe so joe drew the pick art you know what i mean and and we were done. I mean, we just went right into production with it. There really wasn't much to talk about, you know? That's really cool. I mean, and, I actually think Neck Deep are, a, you know, a, a great pop-punk band. Yeah, and, hell yeah they are. I, you know, I, I, what I thought, a live, I remember, their live show is awesome. Absolutely. And it was like two years ago you guys started doing this. And I, I remember reading an article in um, in – Total Guitar magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where where Matt West had said, uh, you know, something along the lines of uh, the only thing he didn't like about his Jetstream 390 was that it had a middle pickup and a neck pickup, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, and he was introducing his signature model, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a really sort of a specific thing. But yeah. fun, yeah. fun guy, really fun guy to work with. To I, I don't know, he's. You know, he, he didn't hesitate. He jumped all over that pink thing. And the, the, and we're doing the, the, you know, the British racing green. Now I'm sitting here staring at one. I've got one hanging on oh, the really? wall behind me. It looks really with the tortoise guard and the dark roasted maple neck and that dark green metallic. And then that, the cream, the cream pickup and the cream dots on the neck just pop right off it. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's just stunning. And, and my, my, deal with matt is we're just going to do one color a year and change it every year but really? i'm going to talk him into keeping the green around for two years before i mean the, the it, green is, is, cool. is it's definitely cool. my, my favorite one i mean i know yeah. i know matt you've got obviously the pink one which is absolutely incredible <laughs> but as a as a sort of burns guitar enthusiast this uh the sort of metallic green you know with a torque guard and that roasted neck everything about it's absolutely on point 
cool. It's uh, it's I a, think it's so a too. wonderful guitar. Yeah, it's a wonderful guitar. I Single. Thank, you guys are so nice to me. Thanks. Why don't you ask me like a hard question? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, well, like, well, you know, we really like this. Let's talk about this. We really like this. Uh, tell me something that you hate. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's kind of that's kind of difficult. But this 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 might be a difficult question. Um, sort of maybe I don't know. Maybe in closing, I don't know. But yeah. have you have you got a favorite? reverend can you pick is it like picking a child it is um and is there one you're most proud of uh you know it's yeah it's too hard that's too hard (laughs) you know and i'll tell you i um i probably i'm most proud in general of of the reeves stuff and the mike watt watt plower bass even though i'm not a bass player um, when I was uh, an impressionable young lad, uh, Tin Machine grabbed me by the ear, and and it was and it was who the hell is this guy? Who is making those sounds on that guitar? And then Reeves Reeves wrote like a back page column for guitar player and guitar for the practicing musician or something like that here in the states. And this was pre Nirvana, you know, post Tin Machine, pre Nirvana, and Reeves would talk about um like bob mould and and uh frank black and and people in his column you know like the pixies and who's do and stuff like that in in a magazine that was filled with like warrant and rat and acdc and, and <laughs> not in and, and white snake and, and not that like all that stuff is bad because I, I like some of that stuff. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, I play the solo to Tesla's love song enough around here that my crew hates me for it. But, <laughs> but, uh, and, and not that that stuff is bad, but it was not the stuff that I was super into. And so I just was, I was a huge fan of Reeves Gabrels. And when we started working with Reeves and the fact that we could capture his energy in a guitar just blew me away i mean it's it's more than just um you know it's more than just wooden wires at that point and and because reeves as an artist is so creative and so dynamic and 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 he approaches guitar playing the way that nailer approaches guitar design with there's no preconceived notion of what he thinks the guitar can do. And the fact that Reeves chooses to play our stuff, uh, to me is, is the, is a, just a powerful endorsement. And because I'm such a fanboy, you know, I still do stuff, you know, it's been a while since Reeves and I have done an event together. Although I guess we did shot some, we shot some video together out in Colorado last December, but I'm still, I'm just so humbled to be around him and have him as a friend. And when, and when I get on the phone with him, you, sometimes we'll talk for hours and, and I will just, I, I, sometimes I sit here and I look around and I'll be like, I, I can't believe that I, like if you would have told 21 year old me that 50 year old me would be friends with Reeves Cabrels, I would have had a coronary, you know what I mean? And, and not, not just, business partners but you know that we would have this rapport and it's awesome and then and then the watt thing 
too. I I listened to uh, Minutemen and Firehose in the eighties. Well, I mean, we we're lucky that Jay Cross isn't on this podcast because the Minutemen are more or less the most important band to him <laughs> in the world, and and the yeah. Cure one of my most important. Ah, bands. Oh, that's of course, awesome. Reeves, Reeves Good Barrels came to them yeah. has came to them only from like I don't know twenty twelve or something like that. So, yeah, but yeah. but nonetheless, it's been very important. But very sorry, carry much on. So. Oh yeah, well, what just. There's nothing like it. I mean, he again, he plays the bass with his soul, and it, it doesn't. In and the instrument itself becomes such a part of his being. And so we have this, we have this really cool thing with Watt. And I'll, 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 I'll leave you guys with the Watt story because it's fun. So I love Firehose, man. I saw Firehose thirty times, probably. I, we would go to every show between Chicago and Cleveland every time they came through. And, and, and when he started playing with the Stooges, Naylor had that relationship with Ron Ashton. And we had, uh, we had, you know, we did Ron Ashton's signature guitar and we still do it. And, but Joe, Joe knew Ron from before Reverend. And so when Joe started doing Reverend, Ron was one of the first major players that got involved. And so when there was a Stooges reunion, um, it was with Iggy, it was super exciting. And it's, it's just this very, very funny, like worlds colliding thing. And so I, here is Ron Ashton playing guitar and Scott Ashton on drums and Watt on bass, Jay Mascus, who is another guy who I'm fanboy about, uh, doing the Stooges tribute thing. And Iggy hears about it. And it's like, well, if you guys are playing, I mean, why, what, what why shouldn't I you know blah 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 and they managed to like put this whole thing together and so all of a sudden we're hanging around the Stooges with Watt and the first time we go to a show to hang out with Ron and we're working on the signature guitar at the time Watt is standing there and Watt walks over to me and he grabs my hand and he pounds his chest with my hand and he says Oh, it's the Detroit San Pedro connection. It's so good to see you, brother. And he remembered me from seeing that band so many times in clubs. And that is just <laughs> mind blowing to me. Like, and now I am six and a half feet tall and really goofy looking. And I understand that I'm a memorable presence, but still I was so honored. And so I started talking to Mike about doing a bass and it took a couple of years, you know, and, and, and I approached him and Mike said to me, well, Ken, you know, I, I really love, you know, I love brother Joe and brother Ronnie was, you know, my world to me. And, and I really love Reverend. And I love what you guys do, but I sort of have my own thing. And I said, what? Yes, I know. And I want, I want you to talk to Joe and I want you to tell Joe the shortcoming of every base that you've ever owned. And I want to solve that for you. And I want to make the base that is the extension of, of what and have it be your thing, your voice, your base, your way, like the, you know, the what signature base. And what, what said to me, you know, every manufacturer has asked to do a base with me and every single one has come to me with a base and said, Hey, we want to put your name on it. Nobody's ever come to me and said, Hey, we want you to design the base with us. And, and I was like, yeah, it's our, it's our whole shtick, you know? And so he and Joe got together. <laughs> Little did I know that it was going to take six years. <laughs> the, 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 the Mark II, the, yes. the, the, the Watt Plower Mark yeah. II yes. is, is exactly 
the answer to that story yeah, as in a base that so... has clearly been designed by a player yes. with you know with half an extra pickup and then an extra <laughs> pickup in the neck you know it's just like this this is absolutely someone being like can i have two two and a half sugars in my coffee you know that's that's what that yes. mark ii is it, yeah, it, it it's it the whole it was the whole development of of the thing. I mean, starting with the first one, we went through pickups that he was using to. Well, if that's not getting it for you, let's try this. Let's try that. And I I remember Firehose did some reunion tours in 2012, and I flew with the very first prototype. I flew to Portland, Oregon, because they didn't tour the West, the Midwest or the East here at all. They did 20 shows on the West Coast, and I had to see it. And I brought Mike a bass, and he played it for the remainder of that tour. And then he got back with Joe and I. I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. Cool. And Joe made up, and we made up another round of prototypes. And then Mike is very busy. All these bands, all these projects, all this touring. And kind of hard to nail down. And so it got to the point where every time he came through Detroit, maybe every year, 18 months or so, with whatever he was doing, we had an updated version, and I'll try to wrap this up, but he, he so he would, uh, and then always give us pointers, eh, this, that, this, that. And then one time he was touring with the artist, a wonderful singer named Tav Falco, and, and we go to see him at a very small club in Detroit, and, and it was really, we went down to soundcheck, and we put the space, handed him the space, and he hit a note on it. And then he sat down on a bar stool and he played a couple notes and he looked up at Joe and I and he's like, yeah, we we're we're really onto something. He goes, I mean, I've kind of thought, I've kind of thought this is, didn't even plug it in. It's like, I always kind of thought that you guys were kind of cool doing this and stuff like that. But I mean, I never really imagined that, but here we are. And he just rattled off. Let's do this with the body. Let's do this. Put the pickup here. And does the headstock really have to be a two plus two? Because I like to hit the cymbals when I play with my band with the headstock. And so if it was an inline, I wouldn't knock it the bass out of tune when I hit my cymbals with it. And we're like, oh yeah, we can do all that. And then we took that feedback from that thing. And then we, Joe made a bass and then it was done. And well, we had Mir make the bass, and then it was done. And we launched it at this NAM show. Um, and it was the year after we launched the Billy, so it was 2017, I think we launched the first Watt Plower. And um, I had him do an appearance at the NAM show, and people lined up, you know. And Watt likes to talk to everybody, and and it was it was really just really cool and then he played our nam party that night and we have a party every year uh of winter nam in anaheim at a really cool club called the slide bar which is over in fullerton and which is owned by the guitar player for the band lit lets us use his club and and it, it and so here i am uh you know 47 year old ken and i i just we had just made this instrument for like my hero my life time hero and and <laughs> he's incredible. playing my company's party and he does the booth appearance he goes over there we and so he's playing the party with reeves and so so reeves's band played and then and then watt played and of all things reeves playing with bowie for years and watt playing with iggy for years the two of them knew everything about each other but had never met and when just seeing, and then I'm sitting here like I brought, like my Reverend Guitars, our company brought 
these two guys together. And then they started talking about doing something together. And I'm like, I'm dying inside. I'm like, oh, you've just got to act like, how can this, like, there's no way that this can, like, am I really, is this really happening? And, and what starts playing and, and he opens up this gig with Joe McCarthy's ghost, you know, off the first minute mini P and I'm like, yeah. my hair is standing on end. And then after that, and I'm standing right in front of him. I'm just like, first off, I brought him up to the stage, which is just ridiculous to begin with. And then I'm standing right in front of him and I'm watching him play. And then he goes from Joe McCarthy's Ghost to Forever One Reporter's Opinion, which is the best song ever written. And I just, right, right. I just stood there in front of all of my customers, all of my dealers, all my employees, everybody that was there. And I just burst into tears like a big giant baby. And Penny comes, Penny comes running over and she just whispers in my ear like i know this is like the greatest moment of your life right i'm like yeah it's just it's just if that feeling is why i do this and i remember that feeling every day that i come in here and i know that sounds all like corny and cliched and all of that stuff but i mean that like that moment is why we do this you know wow. yeah. yeah i think i think that's why we all yeah like you say that's why we all work in yeah. this industry it's for those moments that make all the uh all the tough times uh yeah you know, worth worth bearing through i guess yeah absolutely what what an absolutely incredible uh you know sort of a sack full of stories that uh, <laughs> that you have for reverend and Thanks, there is no wonder yeah. that they have kind of found a place in in the heart of uh guitar nerds and all of our listeners as well um so you know congratulations and well done ken to Thanks, for, for everything that you guys have done and uh, i mean that that is pretty much all the time we have on this yeah, week's yeah. episode I, of the friday I special it. i got it i can't but, wait uh, i can't wait to get back over there <laughs> really yeah, I, i'd I, like to do this in person at some point i was supposed oh my to goodness we were supposed to play at that same festival in november and of course it's not happening mm, and mm. i was planning on coming back to that birmingham show every year because i really enjoyed that that was fun there's a there's a comparable show here in the states in dallas in the spring that really combines manufacturers and vintage guitar dealers and artists all on, like the NAM show is kind of a sterile kind of environment. And it's fun to, that Birmingham show is fun because you get to see and talk to people and there's old stuff and new stuff. And, you know, I was really well, looking 100%. forward to having that be a part of my routine now. I'm like, well, now that I've done this, I, I'm not going to miss this show. And well, of I course, it was wonderful I'm going to miss there, it. To be honest, it was, yeah, of course we all are. But I thought yeah. it was wonderful, especially for me. I think Matt, you, you, you've met Ken before, but, but it was, for me, it was the first time I'd, I'd met you. And I was like, this is fantastic to meet like the guy behind Reverend Guitars at a show like this. Because, you know, when you go to Nam, you're sort of like, a, you know, dear listener, you know, whether you've been to Nam or, or not, I'm, I'm very much used to having, I guess my business head on when I'm walking right. around Nam, and it was so lovely to just be a punter looking at guitars and then right. bump into you know Ken from Reverend Guitars. That was such a cool thing to have that sort of access to well, Reverend Guitars at such a small show. I like to do things with dealers. I like to do dealer events. I like to I I, I like to go to stores and have like that sort of 
stuff. I like doing the video thing too, but I also really like doing public stuff. And one of the things that sucks about all of this, you know, pandemic life that we're all leading is that there's this whole like musical relationship thing that that Penny and I are both missing very much. Penny and I have a lot of friends all across the industry and we're very good friends with a lot of our competitors even because it shouldn't be not all of them by the way. <laughs> but there are a couple that we're very good friends with. And um it because it, it should be nice and we should all be cool and we we should all hang out. We should all enjoy each other's company and enjoy what we do because we're so lucky to be able to do this. This is such a kick-ass job. If you would have again, you would have told 20-year-old me that this was going to be my job, I I would have I would have never believed you. And and so yeah, I, I just I can't wait to get back over there and to see you guys in person and hopefully you'll have me on again. I want to be on one of your panels. Yeah, absolutely. There are there are a handful of people who we think would be fantastic to get on a panel together, like a guitar <laughs> builder, a pedal builder, an amp builder. So yeah, you you are definitely gonna be up there, Ken. Awesome. Um, let's be, before we before before we wrap up, I yes. would really like to kind of in a real like quick fire uh sort of uh way um, Matt Matt Knight your favorite reverend Matt Oh sorry I don't know what happened there um <laughs> I must admit I I do struggle I mean obviously I love I mean I would probably say the Matt West because I've got it however if I could <laughs> own any one right now um because every time I go on the website I'm always like I want that one. And then I'm like, I don't want that one. Um, I must admit, Pete Anderson, East Side of Baritone, oh, yes. is, uh, is is calling my name at the moment. Yeah, that to it, me is... Uh, it looks fantastic. But for a bit of fun, um, the the Turs, the, 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 yeah, the mini the Billy Corgan, I must admit, mm. I, I kind mm. of fancy plugging that into my... I'd go my for the dirt bike enough. over that if I was going to go for that sort of style guitar. But, you know, I, I still think... It's very cool. The Turs yeah. is really unusual. That's another one of those weird things, like because Billy Billy capos the third fret a lot, and all of the Turs is is imagine you have a capo with the third fret and you put the headstock mm. there instead. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, of course, it's it's totally different. And, and I forget it's, that it's it is an odd it's it, it but it's a fun thing to to it's a really fun studio tool. What a cool guitar! Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I've got a '78 op amp Big Muff. That really could do with a uh, with a Billy Corgan going straight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, All right. I, I've okay. got a I've got a seventy eight high watt uh, custom one hundred full stack next to me that wants to borrow your big muff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully at some point in the near in in the near future, we'll we'll be over in America for some sort of show oh, or something. And yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll Got to come. come here. There, there, yeah, some, something will happen for for me. I'm going to go for mine, and then can I? We'll we'll come to you and try and press you for a favorite. But uh, for me, my favorite thing that Reverend do, and as a bass player, I'm sorry, listener, I, I I'm going to have to go for a for a bass rather than a guitar, even though there are such a, a fantastic range of guitars. I just think for me, the triad is something that is really called out as something that no one else is offering. Um, a, a three pickup jazz bass style guitar with block inlays in some incredible burst finishes. Um, and, you know, 
coupled with like a a 51p base style control panel i was like yeah this is like a blend of all the things i like nice with all the extra control so for me yeah my favorite reverend absolutely the triad ken i'm gonna you know i'm gonna press you for a favorite a favorite reverend if you had to pick one right now if i had to pick one it would be (laughs) this is rotten (laughs) uh See, I'm always I'm always into the latest thing too. And my current <laughs> favorite is the six gun HPP. And you haven't seen that yet. And it's gonna be out here in a couple months. And it is absolutely <laughs> awesome. And I'm not gonna tell you anything more about it. That that's wonderful. But, that was a great I, way to but bring I that said, in. <laughs> but I said it's so you can just infer from the name of the guitar maybe what's going on there. Okay. And okay. it is really cool. <laughs> I am excited, yeah. excited by that concept. Yes, yeah, so, uh, and and, be... and I'll tell you too that the avocado burst is happening there oh, as well. Add, uh, so, so there absolutely. you have it. There, there you, you go. It. My all-time favorite finish. Well, other than, <laughs> other than, uh, wait, wait, Matt, uh, Matt, what was the uh, Reverend rename for my favorite color? What, foam, uh, foam shrimp oh, pink? No, no, yeah, no, no. Uh, no Mulberry so, mist. Mulberry mist. So oh, foam mist. shrimp pink is the official guitar nerd's color, yes. but my yes. personal favorite color is burgundy mist, which is mulberry mist, mulberry in mist. Reverend, which yes. is, uh, yeah, abs- absolutely is, uh, has kept me, my finger sort of over the the trigger of purchasing a Dub King uh, for some time uh, because I think that, that came out mulberry mist, which was, yeah, absolutely all-time favorite finish. Anyway, that 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 does actually bring us up for time on this week's episode of the Friday Special. It has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, (laughs) I had a blast. This kind of thing, thank you. It invigorates me as well. So, oh well, that that's wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to chat to us, Um, dear listener. Of course, you can check out Reverend Guitars wherever you go, and you can catch more guitar nerds over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, or join us on any of the major social platforms with at guitar nerds. And we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye.